All right, before we get into the podcast, I just want to let you know, uh, me, Ernie, we put this podcast together for free. It's for you at no charge. We only ask you a couple of things. If you could, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we need the comments and the stars. It means a lot. It moves us up in the charts. We're getting great momentum, and we appreciate you. That's all we ask. That's all we ask. We do this for free. Please subscribe. Subscribe. Start up and leave a comment. Thanks for listening to The Michael Yo Show. The Michael Yo Show. Celebrities, pop culture, and comedy. Uh, Popeye's chicken sandwiches. <laughs> Is that where we starting? Yeah, because can you believe two niggas off the back talking about chicken? That's right. <laughs> Popeye's chicken sandwiches. People getting killed over these. Don't you think that's ridiculous? Listen, man, I, I just I just said it. I was telling my man here. I went last night to go get it because now they're back. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just I guess I came five minutes too late because <laughs> here's what happened. As I pull into the drive through with the Popeyes. I see five cars leave the line. So then I see the girl from Popeye's and she's just saying something to him. So I'm like, oh shit. So I go, sweetheart, y'all got it? Nah, we just sold out. So because they were sold out, five cars just left the drive-thru line. So I'm sitting there going, yo, these Popeye's chicken sandwiches is really like the release of a new PS4. <laughs> it, it, it. Like you literally have to stand in line, spend the night, camp out with a tent, to get your first dibs. My question is, how long before it gets to where it's just like, nigga, they just available. Nobody even cares. Well, no. Nobody chicken sandwich? Yeah, we got more than we need. We'll give you away. It'll never How happen. long before the craze ends? Never. You know why? Because they're not going to let it go that long. They'll do it for like three weeks and then cut it off like they did last time. This and has say- to be the greatest marketing ploy I've ever seen. Because don't tell me you're literally running out of sandwiches. Or, Y'all chicken, could keep, or chickens. Or chickens. <laughs> Y'all could keep flooding the market. Yeah. But to go, let's see how long these niggas wait. So by the time we come back out, they go crazy. And it's doing it again. And again. I, if I thought, I planned my whole day around this shit yesterday. I went Did you really? My, nigga, listen. Did you really? The Negro is, <laughs> come on. I said, I said, I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to smoke my L. Have me a drink. By the time I get done playing a couple games of Madden and 2K, the Popeye's drive-thru near my crib close at 10. I leave my house at 9.15, get there 9.30, get two sandwiches, go back home, I'm good. So your strategy was, hey, you know, I'm going to get them before they close because everybody got theirs. Already. But this is the second wave. So they're not going to run out again. (laughs) Nigga, they ran out again. Wow. The white folks is plotting, nigga. Yeah. I've done this before, but I got to do it again. Uh, and as a comic, hopefully you appreciate it. Uh, I was doing uh, my Paul Mooney talking about black people. All you niggas are going crazy for this goddamn chicken sandwich. White folks, y'all niggas are sick. This is a plot. <laughs> Two years from now, all you niggas will have mesolithemiomia. <laughs> These white folks, niggas are going crazy for this goddamn bird. I saw slaves in line for this chicken. <laughs> I saw Sojourner Truth and Frederick Douglass for this goddamn chicken sandwich. I know why you niggas love this chicken. It's what's in the batter. Aretha Franklin's ashes are in the batter. I bit into a breast. It was a breast. I had Aretha titty meat everywhere. It was crazy, nigga. That sandwich was tastier than Richard Pryor's son's ass. I'm, man, oh this is God. a call to action, baby. It is. It's a call to action. Uh, so have you ever had one yet? I did. I had him the first wave. Was it good? Let me, let me say this. Um, <laughs> here's what's funny about internet. And you, here's what you're learning real quick about the internet is how fickle and bitter people are. Because mm. the comments, of course, are all the people going, particularly black people, man, fuck that sandwich. That shit's overrated. I don't want to give a damn about that goddamn sandwich. <laughs> I make my own goddamn sandwich. <laughs> but yet they sold out. Yeah. So nigga, it's good. Yeah. Let's stop acting like it ain't. That's like the people that go, uh, Man, Kevin Hart ain't funny. All this niggas' movies are box office bonanzas. 
Somebody think you funny. 30,000 people in the stadium. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sandwich is delicious, nigga. Okay, all right, all right. Now, is it, from what I understand, it's just two chicken strips. It's no. just like the chicken strips. It's not? No, it's a big, huge fried breast. Here's what I had somebody okay. tell me. I think I got jipped because I opened my bun and it was two chicken strips. Yeah. They were doing that. Chicken is chicken, boneless chicken, two strips, put it on a bun. Here you go. But it's something about that breast with the seasoning. And I don't know if it's an aioli, the pickles. Is it a Hawaiian bun? If I tried to duplicate that shit tonight, I would fail. It's that Ernie. Have you ever have had you one? had one? No. No, Ernie, have you? I, uh, I had one. Oh, I had one last night. And it was delicious. You it's, took his sandwich. You yeah. were in front of him. Yeah. I, I'm you know what's funny? As I was in the drive-thru and I looked through the window, I saw a dude unwrap his. So when she said, yo, we just sold out, he got the last batch. And I started to do, I started to pull a money move. I wanted to go, nigga, don't bite that. Uh, $300, nigga. You, you gonna give up that sandwich? <laughs> Like, nigga, if it's coming to the point where you're giving up bread, ridiculous amounts of money for a goddamn sandwich, it's a problem. Okay, have you ever thought about going to the white areas? Because that have Popeyes. You know what? No. What? They're uh, still sold out? Still sold out. Yeah, so yeah, white yeah. people are lined up around the building for well, these Well, sandwiches. you know, white folks, once they find out what niggas do, <laughs> they interrupt the meeting. <laughs> Fuck you niggas got going on in these slave quarters. <laughs> Break that up. There's a profit there? Oh, we in it. Hey, folks, you know, they crashed the party. There you go. Come on, man. Man. Come on. It's so good to have you here, man. I've respected you. You know, I'm like, compared to you, I'm very short in the game. I'm 10 years in, but you've been doing, like, what, you at 30 now? Well, nigga, based on your house, uh, (laughs) I'm I'm driving a Fiat, (laughs) and you done surpassed me with a Lamborghini, nigga. (laughs) It's not about that. Oh, it ain't, but it is. (laughs) This shit is nice. is nice too but this is like some you know take off your shoes <laughs> sweetheart if you ain't fucking you got to leave <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but man let, let's start from the beginning what got you in the like because i want to know you man yeah. you know because everybody that comes in we know what they've done we yeah. see them now but man how'd you get started in the game man uh long story short man i'm an 80s baby i was born in 75 so uh i grew up and, and, you know, my father gave me the history of comedy. Watch Richard Pryor, Mantan Morlin, Step and Fetch It, Moms Mabley, a lot of the black and white classics, uh, Amos and Andy. So I always had a, a love for the history of comedy. But uh, Eddie Murphy, I mean, me and my pops religiously used to, it was, it was television uh, scheduling where we would watch him on SNL. And he was like my first major inspiration. So, and when I saw 48 Hours and, trading places I was like I want to be that guy because his wit his uh, charisma the way he stole the scene and just brought you into his moment uh, that's what I wanted to do was man. it about him being black because partly it's always a little bit about yeah, that because uh-huh. you know we, we in an industry where we are not number one and even when we number one we're reminded that we're not number one so um, it was a little bit of all of that um but again, I, I just always had a love for comedy. And I, and so I read in a book where he started when he was 14. We got the same birthday, same astrological sign. So I took all that as imp- inspiration to go, well, fuck it. If he did it, why not me? So I just started doing stand-up at 14. I knew Bob Sumner, who was really the brainchild behind Def Jam. I know Stan Latham and Russell Simmons get the credit on paper. Yeah. But it was Bob that really started it. And... um you know, coming up in New Jersey, New York with Bill Bellamy, Hamburger Jones, uh, and those guys just did Def Jam when I was 16, Showtime at the Apollo when I was 17, and been in it ever since. So what was the toughest part for you? Did you automatically hit as soon as you got in? Like you, Because it seems like, you know, a lot of people just say, I'm going to try stand-up. But they like comedy, but you seem right. like you were a student before you even got yeah, into I was, the game. Yeah, I was definitely a student, but, <clears throat> you know, I, I really I – really, you know, this is a passion for me for real um, because Lord knows I've had every reason in the world to want to quit. Yeah. And I, and I think about quitting every day. Why? So just cause you know, the industry is such bullshit. You know, there's a lot of things that you, we understand, look, it's show business and the business is bigger than the show. 
even though I dispute that a little bit because without the show, you don't have the business. So to try to, and you know, when I say they, the suits try to perpetuate like the business is more important than the show, but without the show, you don't have a business. So that being said, the politics, the racism, the bullshit, the showboating, the jazz hands, all the shit you got to do that ain't got nothing to do with comedy. I just, it, I can't stand it. So, because here's here's what's interesting to me, and I'm going to just be blunt and straight out with you. You're one of the most talented people I've ever Hear met. It all the time. But you haven't got that break where I, I've seen people not as talented as right. you get the big breaks yeah. and they're... And they're doing big things. Listen, I don't like, know. Like, but how do you live? How does a person go 30 years in this industry, live in that, see that, and go, why? Like, and, and you're I like, promise you before this podcast is over, that question will be answered. Okay. Based on some of the words that come out of my mouth. Okay. Um, you know, man, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, I don't know what the politics. I'm sure there's politics and bullshit in every aspect of entertainment or a business. But it feels like at least with sports things are fair if you don't have kobe bryant talent you ain't getting a kobe bryant contract in this business you just said it you don't have to have top tier talent to get top tier money there's a lot of motherfuckers who you look at and go huh but at least in sports you got your talent has to validate your paycheck yes whereas here it doesn't so you know i'm i'm brash I say a lot of shit I probably shouldn't say. I've I've certainly said some shit I regret that I wish I could take back. Not that I don't mean it. Was it to people about people in the industry yeah. that you couldn't yeah. take back? Okay. Yeah. Um, and did they still hold you to that? Of course, but they don't tell you that. Mm. They don't tell you that's the this worst. Is what you did? Yeah. They'll look you in the eye. It's like some mafia shit. Smile, pull your drink. You're dead by noon. Mm. So you know. Um, I just wish based on what I know now, I could finagle myself better. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in what I, what I say. I don't stand by my convictions, but just knowing how this game is, you got to walk different. You know, you got to timing is everything. You can say what you want to say. You can do what you want to do to an extent. <clears throat> but when you generate box office revenue, that's outrageous. People tolerate your shit. Because you're the cash cow now. But when you ain't the cash cow, you got your chest out, your chin up. I'm Reggie Hammond. Yeah. yeah. It's different. Did you, what point in your career did you go, okay, this is the moment? Like you thought if you could have ever like pop, pop, like like to that next level. Was there ever a moment in your career where you're like, this is it right here? This is I don't the- think I've had it. I think there's been moments where I've done things that people can look at the body of work and go, Man, you're this or you're that. But pop, pop. I mean, we all have our different interpretations of what making it is. Yeah. I once saw sure. one of the greatest comedians of all time, Patrice O'Neill, say, what is it? Making it. What is it? So we all have our interpretation of what making it is. So, you know, mine is, you know, when they calling you to say be in this role as opposed to you auditioning when you ain't got to audition no more and the scripts are coming to you, you made it you've made it dude you know when you don't have to chase it they chasing you that's to me making it do you feel like now at this point right now that you could maybe get that second chance since you since you understand i and i use that in quotes you know how the business is now right it, or is it just you feel personally it's too late you know what i had an agent once that told me one of the wildest shit I've ever heard. He goes, if you can open a movie, if Hitler could open a weekend, he'd be a star. In other words, as long as you can generate money, uh, become a hit, you always have a shot. Yeah. And that's one of the greatest things about this business and about life and about America. You always one hit away, no matter how Deep you are in the hole, whether it's viral, whether it's commercial, cartoon, movie, TV, you are one hit away from everything turning around. And that's a curse too. Because I like I lived in Miami at a time. Yeah. And, you know, they have supermodels down there. Yeah. But once they hit twenty one, if right. they ain't made it, yeah. it's over. Right. Like they know that. 
They know right. they doing little little stuff, but they'll yeah. never get to that next level. Where I feel in Hollywood, it's a blessing and a curse. They yeah. could be like, we need a three hundred pound white woman. Mm. And if you're that 300 pound white woman, no matter how old you are and you fit the role, you're going to get it. So that keeps people here. I don't know how many waiters I've met that go, man, I've been doing this for 12 years waiting for my shot because they could really still get that shot. Yeah, Listen, this is how how wild I think it is. And I've said this on my podcast. I still think before it's all said and done, Kevin Spacey makes a comeback. I mean, I I, I, I think it's going to happen at some point. I, I wouldn't disagree. You know? Because I don't think, I don't think, here's the thing. I don't know, after this whole Chris Brown and Rihanna thing happened, you saw Rihanna was all bruised up or whatever. Yeah. Literally three months later, he comes out with a song. I see women dancing to it going, Listen, I man. hate Chris Brown, but I love this song. Listen, man, that, that is the, the dangerous power of celebrity. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You mean to honestly tell me, and listen, we don't know for sure, and I'm not saying he was, but Michael Jackson couldn't have been a pedophile. Bill Cosby couldn't have been a rapist. R. Kelly couldn't be what he was. You think because motherfuckers are famous, they're exempt from having sickness? I know. All the money and the fame does is allow people to do exactly what you said. That nigga peed on a young girl. But hey, yeah. step in the name of love. <laughs> exactly. So when you touch people's emotions, mentally, emotionally, artistically, you the soundtrack in the moment to some of the best times people have had in their lives. Oh, shit, I remember that R. Kelly song. I got the best blowjob I ever had. <laughs> How could I be mad at this nigga? <laughs> oh, my God. That movie that Eddie did or Cosby did that made me laugh when my mother died and cured me. You get a pass. That's what's, what fame and celebrity does. But just because you are that doesn't mean you're not. They can't be. Famous motherfucking uh, pedophiles? No. They, famous rapists? They're just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. They just are famous. If they wasn't famous, they'd still be the pedophile. Yeah. They'd, they'd still be the rapist. So come on, man. Don't fall for the for the sauce, man. Now you talked about your podcast. What's the name of your podcast? Spears and Steinberg. Okay. And what are y'all AKA talking about? AKA the Jew and the Jerk. The uh, Jew and the Jerk. Yeah. And that's he's sitting in the corner yeah, over I there the him. other half. Um, you know, I, listen, man, in this, in this era of ridiculously over-the-top moisture in terms of political correctness. I, I, I think what we strive for is to be the alcohol during prohibition. People want to be fucked up. People want to enjoy... Life is fucked up. You, you look for any type of intoxicant slash medication you can to feel good. So while we're living in this era of you can't say this, you can't say that, oh, you're not supposed to laugh. I want motherfuckers to listen to us and go, laugh, motherfucker. And if you offended, be offended. But know that when you listen to us, you getting straight, uncut Bolivian cocaine. Mm-hmm. It is purest form. With one sniff, you might die. So <laughs> we, in all this political correctness bullshit, we just try to be as real and as raw as possible, man. Uh, what the piece, has it ever affected you in a club? Because I know the clubs know what they're going to get. Like, when you come in, they know you. You're, you're a legend yeah, in the business. I, 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 it hasn't affected me with the club per se, but I certainly have had audience members give me their two cents on how they feel. And I don't give a fuck about your feelings. I don't give a fuck. I got two baby mamas. I got uh, child support and alimony payments. I don't have time to give a fuck about your feelings. If you can tell me how you feel, but then give me a check and go, thank you for listening to my sorrows. Hey, baby mama. <laughs> yeah. Nigga, yeah. I'll take your shit. But if, if you're not going to help my situation, I could give a fuck how you feel, man. Do you think, like, what's the biggest difference between now and comedy and, like, when you started? Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's the, the whole political correctness thing. Yeah. I think, I think comedy, I, listen, I would love to have lived in a time where you could sit at, at a at a ball game at the state or back then the, the L.A. Coliseum and smoke a cigarette, you know, it might not be healthy, but I <laughs> like them days when you could go on fucking Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson and smoke a stove. Nigga. Yeah. You know, I love the, the all in the family era where, where television was not politically correct at all. I, I just think that freedom is, is needed. 
What do you think about when uh, Eddie Murphy, now, you know, he's coming back. He's going to shoot a new special. He's apologizing again for Raw and Delirious. He's apologized officially? For some of the things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he goes, I I look at myself and I go, wow, I really said that. That was awful. You know, and that. See, I got to go to Dave Chappelle for a second. I recently saw where Dave was on the red carpet. I guess the night he got the Mark Twain Award. Mm Mm-hmm. And someone asked him a question about political correctness, and then he kind of mumbled off a couple things, but then he finished it with, oh, you know, all that stuff I'm supposed to say. Yeah. Dave is one of the last Mohicans in terms of honesty and rawness and realness. I wish Eddie hadn't done that because there's no need for that. Your place is already solidified. By doing that, you've accomplished what? Would you gain more fans, nigga? How many more fans do you need? Yeah. You're rich beyond eternity. Your legacy is you don't established. Need to do that. You don't need to do that. And well, if the motherfuckers that are sensitive to what you did back in the 80s are fucking with you now, man, fuck them. Fuck them. No. Why I, is that relevant? I. It's just interesting. When I heard his interview, he goes, it just, you know, I was taken back by what I said. He didn't apologize. He goes, I can't believe I said that. Oh, that's an apology. That's an apology. You know what I mean? How do you, with Eddie Murphy shooting this new special, you're going to get paid $70 million, something like that, from mm. Netflix. How do you, like, my thing is, like, how does he work on material? I don't know, but. Like, how do you do that? I think the first thing he should say when he come out is, hey, faggots. <laughs> um, I don't know. That would be an interesting process to see how he does that. Because you got to get in front of a crowd. You but do. The- and when you're Eddie Murphy, everybody's going to be. And then everybody's going to be, all right, nigga, if you sneeze, it better be funny. So to have to deal with that pressure and that reality, that would be interesting to see. I wish he could film the process that would so be we amazing. know what that looks like. Or does he just do a bunch of young shows, like pop on shows that are a crowd like 21, 23, that don't really know he's a stand-up comic? And they're like, who this guy? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's, that's the way to go, but what I would love to see him do is pop in places where you wouldn't expect to see him. Don't go to the Laugh Factory. Don't go to the Comedy Store, the Improv. Nigga, go to... The Ha Ha Comedy Club. Not even the Ha Ha, nigga. Go to Chuckles in Memphis. Yeah. Go to the, to, to the Comedy Baltimore Comedy Factory in Baltimore where niggas just got done selling crack. <laughs> go in front of the wildest and the most dangerous <laughs> motherfuckers because, you know, you, 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 you truly facing the fire at its highest level. So, you know, go hard, man. What's the what's the one uh show that you'll remember for the rest of your life? Something great or bad happened at that show? At what show? Whatever one of your stand up shows. Like when you oh, started or oh, when you're established. Man. What's the one thing that stands out? First time I did Madison Square Garden. Uh-huh. Uh this was right off the birth of the explosion of Def Comedy Jam. So the first tour was Bernie Mac, Adele Gibbons, Bill Bellamy, me. And at that particular show, they added Eddie Griffin, Reggie McFadden, and uh, I think Q-Tip, or no, Busta Rhymes performed. Wow. Nigga, I ate it so bad. You ate it? Ooh, listen, it, it was, it was. first of all. Wait, did you go on first? No, 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 no. I, went, I went on somewhere in the middle. But what I, what I did was, and this, was, this is a testament to where you can't cheat. I, I did the bit where a lot of people know me from where I did the four rappers rapping, yep. LL, Snoop, Jay-Z, DMX. And it, when I did it on the radio, it went viral and it got 14 million views. Now, prior to that, I half-assed it. I thought to myself, you know what? I'll just go out there and I'll improvise the rap. I, I won't write shit down. I won't really put it into work. I'll just, my impressions are so solid, it's going to carry me. Well, first of all, I had a bad set prior to my big closer, which was that. Oh, so you, so while you're up there, I'm eating it, nigga. And then, how I, long is your set? Uh, 15 minutes. <sighs> so I'm eating it. And you're sweating. So my last, <laughs> my last minute and a half, here's my big kabang. That failed even worse. And I remember as I was walking off stage, uh, these two black guys are standing in the DJ booth. And I know they did it on purpose, but as I walk by to leave, the one guy says to this boy, Man, that shit was horrible. Nigga, the walk back from the garden to my hotel, I was Bill Bixby in the Hulk, the 70s TV show. It felt like doom 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 I was I, I, and as busy as New York is, the action never stops. 
I could hear every sound. The cars. Mm. I was like, I was hitchhiking on the road, lonely, nigga. It was the <laughs> loneliest walk I'd ever taken. Um, so yeah, that the garden, I ate it bad, man. What? Five thousand people. What? Did the other cop? Did you even see cop? Nigga, I told the promoter, <laughs> keep my check. Wow. I didn't, but that's yeah. how I felt. <laughs> like, nigga, keep my check, nigga. Yeah. I, if there was any chance, which there wasn't, that I could get some pussy, I knew I dried up every vagina in the room. <laughs> I had no, there was no hanging out, no partying. Nigga, you failed. Go home. And the other comedians are smashing before you. Smashing. Smashing. And then the funny thing is, I've done the garden four times. Uh, after that, the other two times I did it, I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't eat it, but it didn't go well. Why do you think that is? I just, for some reason, I, I think I got caught up in my own, like, and I'm like, I'm from New York. This is home. Yeah. I, this is what you want to kill. But my very last time at the garden, I performed with Tracy Morgan. He did a big show and he was the host. I smashed the shit out of that. And that must have been. Yeah, it was, it was redemption. It was redemption because I was like, nigga, I have failed at the garden three times. I need this to hit. Now, granted, I was a lot more about a fourth time known. This was before Mad TV. Oh, okay. This was before Conan seven times. Shaq's all. This was by the time I did Tracy Morgan, I built a reputation. And what year was that? Uh, I can't remember off okay. specifically, but I had built enough in my repertoire where people knew Aerie Spears. Yo, this nigga's, a, this nigga's the truth. Uh-huh. So I had that working for me now. Whereas before, hey, y'all, here's this young kid from someone, 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 so with no credits. Oh, nigga. They could smell the fear. They could wow. smell it. It's, yeah. so, it, it, it's, so, it's so true, too. Because if you go out there yeah. and you're not confident, they turn on you so quick. Well, you know, you they know, can it's, feel it's, it. It's New York and it's black people. Yeah. So between that mixture, you know, New Yorkers are already aggressive but, you know, black folks, hey, motherfucker, you got eight seconds. <laughs> go. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's a different beast, man. If you could go back in your career and change one thing, what would it be? <laughs> uh, make better decisions. Keep my mouth shut. Be a little bit wiser. Um, and I've told this story before. I remember one time I had um, a, a dinner with Chris Rock and... Uh, Long story short, he said, hey, man, I can only give you three pieces of advice. Keep writing. Try to be as funny as you can. And try not to piss these white folks off. And back then, I didn't understand what that meant. How early in your career was that? Because to have dinner with Chris Rock, you must have been something. It was in my mad TV years. It was my okay. early 20s. Early 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. You, you, where was your mindset right then? Cocky? Not that it was cocky. I just, it was more of like naivete. Because you come into this business believing it's this, it's that. And listen, if, 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 and, and very rarely does it happen where you take off like Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Eddie Murphy was so unique. 19 years old, Saturday Night Live. He said, no, I've only auditioned for two things in my life, SNL and Dream Girls. He got on at a young age, took off immediately. Boom, movie start, never looked back. That rarely happens. Yeah. You have to struggle. So, you know, in my struggle, I, I just, there's things that I just didn't know. So I'm learning as I go. And I, and I didn't have somebody to pull my coattails and go, hey, man, you shouldn't. Maybe you might want to. I just. But Chris Rock tried. I don't even know that he tried. Um, mm-hmm. He gave me what he could yeah. at the moment. Um, and that's a whole other thing because what I was trying to get him to do or what I want, I hoped he would do. Never came to fruition. Um, but like I said, I've had that. That's a whole nother because yeah. how black people don't, I just don't think we do for each other what they do for them. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, do you think it's because, you know, my, my whole thing, and like I said, I'm only half black. Yeah. You know, but. You, so which side I'm talking to? Yeah, it depends. It depends okay. what the conversation okay. is. Okay. You know, it depends. No, it, it's a thing. What's interesting is when I see what, because I, I feel like there was a time where if you made it, then another black person said he took my spot. You know, but and that's the, always been the mentality. But I don't think it's like, I don't think, even though, but I think the other side doesn't think that. You mean 
the white the side. white side, the Asian side, the Latino no, but side. But they've never had to think like that because the opportunities have always been abundant for them. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, when you think about talk shows, but do you think black people still like, think that way? Yeah, yeah, to okay. an extent. Like, 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 like how many how many late night talk shows have we had throughout the course since Johnny Carson? We have a gazillion of them. Mm-hmm. How many were black? Just Arsenio. Just Arsenio. And then never Trevor. a black female. Yeah. Just Arsenio. We've had Conan. We've had, you know, Leno, Letterman, uh, Craig, Craig, whatever, Kilborn. Yeah. The, the dude with the Irish accent. We've had a gang of them. So what does that tell you? That's why there's this Scrooge McDuck, mine, 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 mine. Yeah. Get yours, get yours. Because we don't get the opportunities that they get. So because there's that one shot, whatever we got to do to get it. I got to stab you in the back. If I got to slit your throat, whatever. But you know, that's the industry. Wow. Yeah. No, I I get you. I, but I I honestly think it's changing now. Like I only started comedy ten years. Mm. Let me let me tell you this. I only started ten years ago. But when I first started, like comics went after each other. I think because of podcasting, right. people are getting their clicks. You know, and, and they then certainly are, and they're supporting each other. There certainly are. Well, that didn't happen before, right? That's it, what, but even that has a high school feel to it. Yeah, true. Hey, we the jocks. You go sit with the goth kids. You goth kid. Yeah. Hey, we the nerds. You don't belong here. Go sit with the you know whoever's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this, this it's just Hollywood different. is yeah. just clicks, and and that's what I'm saying. This shit is so political. It's so racial. It's so bullshit. It's just like why can't it be about the talent, what you bring to the table. If you good enough, then God damn it, you in. Why do we have to have this, establish this, you this and you that? It just, it's, it's ridiculous to me. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, you, you stop and think about this. How many kid movies have we seen where white kids go off on mystical, magical adventures? Narnia, Lemony Snicket, Spy Kids, go on and on and on. Dr. Seuss, any of those movies ever driven by kids of color? Black kids don't want to go on magical, mystical. Black kids grew up in the ghetto around drugs, junkies, whores, prostitutes, uh, gunshots. Them niggas could use a vacation. Mm-hmm. Only white kids get to go off on magical, mystical lands with fucking talking trees and shit. Tell me what, name for me what child's movie you have seen for children driven by children where where it's a black cast. I'll wait. No, I don't. I don't know. That's what I'm just saying. Like, so from the only one shows, I know is Dora the Explorer, but she's Latino. So. Right. Okay. So fine. Finally. Yeah. Well, and that's we had to wait for that. Yeah. I'm just saying between talk shows and shit like that, we just are not given the same opportunities. Now, when you asked me earlier, why do you think that is about your career? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. This might be the time for the nigga to pop up on my show and go, nigga, be quiet. Yeah. Well, but what you're saying now, you've said before. Yes. Yeah. So, so now, are you in the mindset of going, all right, I'm a change now? Or like, where, where is your mind right now? Am I going to play this game or am I just going to be me and ride it out? Where, where are you? I'm somewhere between stubborn and hard-headed and wanting to be righteous. Yeah. Uh, you know, my manager once said to me, you want to be rich or you want to be right? Cause you can't be both. Oh. And I, and I, and I want to go, but I think you can. Yeah. Now, if you want to lead to examples of who's rich and right, I struggle to come up with a name. Dave Chappelle. There you go. And he just kind of finally got that status. So if there's a way to be right, why not? You know, it's like, I, 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 I often think, and I don't want to use the word phony, but when I've asked that question on social media, hey, you guys, you think I should play it this way, play it that way? You think I, everybody goes, dog, be yourself, be you, be true. So I want to be that, but I'm looking at the clock going, this being true shit ain't coming off, man. Yeah. Devil, how much for soul? Uh-huh. Because I'm just going, at what point does this work? Cause right now it don't look good. Yeah. It don't look good. But for me to be any other way, I, 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 
I don't, I don't feel right. I remember I, ESPN once did a thing where they had me host a couple of, like they were trying to do like a regular sports type of thing where they were infusing stand-up comedy with sports. And I remember one time I had two comedians write my monologue and I don't really ever have nobody write shit for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day we shot it, I panicked and I froze. I literally couldn't remember the jokes. And I, I, I panicked so much, it got uncomfortable. And I said, time out. And I walked off and I went outside and I was just trying to get it together because I just went, this is not me. These aren't my words. This ain't my feelings. This ain't my passion. I'm trying to deliver somebody else's shit that ain't me. And it just, it, it put me into the shivers, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I started panicking, you know, so I can't do that. I, I just, I don't feel right. When I, whenever I have to do a show and they tell me, like, I remember I opened, I, I, I was opening for Keith Sweat for like a month at the Flamingo in Vegas. And, you know, comics, one of the things I love about what we do is every night we work is casual Friday. Yeah. We wear what makes us comfortable. I'm a New York motherfucker. I wear Tim's and T-shirts and a New York hat. Maybe a nice leather jacket if I'm calling it sprucing up. I don't like suits. So I think my agent lied to me because he goes, they want you to wear a suit. It's like, fuck. But the money was so good. The opportunity was so good. I said, fuck it. I went and got me three tailor-made suits. Every night I was sweating on stage profusely because I just don't like a suit. Yeah. I, I like a, I like to, you know, so finally I think the last night there I went to the, to, to the people in charge and I went, Hey man, I've been wearing this goddamn suit. Can I please wear it? They said, you could always wore that. I don't know who told <laughs> you to put on a suit, but my agent has always been trying to get me in a suit and my agent, you know, he, he gay. So he real fashionable. <laughs> He's always, you need to Gucci it out and you need to put on Prada and all this other shit. But that's not you. That's not me. My girl once bought me Louis Vuitton flip-flops. Most uncomfortable flops I've ever <laughs> worn. I got cash in between my toes and my soles hurt. Give me the Jordan Air flip-flops. Right. They're more comfortable. You know, I just, I'm, this Hollywood shit, I love what you get from it. Pussy in abundance. Um, attention. Adulation, respect, love, all of that's good. I just, all this other shit though, I'm, I'm like, ugh. Do you, like when you were young in your career, did you experience people once you started getting, you know, because I've never seen you controversial. I've never used that term. <laughs> oh. I Personally, for right. me, for me. Right. You know, to me, you're a comedian. You yeah. know, you're a talented guy. But if you want to go with that, when you hit that point of, oh, he's controversial, did you see friends you thought were friends start turning their backs? Well, on? first of all, I've never really had any friends within this industry because I, huh. I I take that word friend serious. Okay, friends help you bury a body. Yeah, friends true. friends lie on the witness stand. Um, so I got two friends who I grew up with in New York and New Jersey uh, since fourth grade. Um, so all this comedy comrade shit where guys hang out like you said in cliques and groups and call each other friends. I don't have that. Okay. Because I also feel like this shit is so phony that you call yourself friends, but when opportunity strikes and success hits, motherfuckers move different. So, hey, friend, how about that role in your show? Hey, friend, how about that part in your movie? <laughs> it's happened to you? No, because I don't have any friends like gotcha. that. You know what I mean? I, I, I got motherfuckers whose hands I shake, but to call you a friend? Yeah. We ain't been put to the test. Okay, acquaintance. Yeah. Okay. Godfrey, I love Godfrey. I love me some Godfrey. That's my man. Love it. When I see Godfrey, nigga. Um, friend, I don't know. I've never asked him for anything. I've never needed him in the clutch. That's when you define friendship. When I need you in the clutch. We call each other friends all day. (laughs) Just because you call it that don't mean it's that. Yeah. Nigga. How you, 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 you know, help me through some shit. So, you know. Okay, so I want to jump back to the beginning. You said, like, at 17 years old, you were uh, performing stand-up. Yeah. You know, when did you fall in love automatically on the stage? And how long did it take you to get good on stage where you could rock a crowd and other comedians be like, yo. 
where you knew no matter what room you went into, Listen, it was going to be good. I, I say this as, as gingerly as I can. Okay. Because um, I don't want this to come off arrogant. I've always been good. Okay. But the goal is to be better. And in trying to evolve, that's probably where my weakness is because I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy at times. I, I easily get frustrated and because of the business, I often go, man, fuck this. Mm-hmm. And because that fucks with my head, I'm not as on top of it, on top of it as I should be. Um, oh, what what is this? Writing new jokes? Writing like, new what? jokes, just leaving the house, going through the process, getting on stage, be willing to take an L, you know, Listen, when you do this for 30 years, you get to a point where you get off the road and go, I don't leave my house when I get home. Yeah. I, I just, I just, I, I've been on the road so much. I'm tired, jet lag, my feet hurt, my feet swell, my back hurt. I don't want to go out. I want to chill. Yeah. I smoke a blunt. I want to chill. So I've, I've become complacent. Got you. You know what I mean? A little bit. But you bit. recognize, some people don't recognize no, that. No, I though. recognize it. Okay. I, I, I know. Um, some nights where I probably should go, you know what? Fuck the material. Let me just do all new shit or let me take a chance. Sometimes I, once I can feel the crowd a certain way, oh shit, I don't feel like dealing with that. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to the playbook, nigga. Yeah. Fuck all of us. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that shit. Like I, 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 this is, Cheat codes. Here this we is go. gig I did twice. Uh-huh. Uh, my man Rob Stapleton, it's his show in, uh, in the Bronx. I forget what the place is called. Some salsa spot. But it's like 400 niggas, but every one of the crowd members have a felony record. And I'm just going, I don't want to work this hard. Like, I, to kill this motherfucker? Yeah. I got to. And I was like, I did all that from 14 to 20. I don't want to work this hard. And, 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 and I, but because I've committed to, yo, Rob, I'm going to do your shit. I'm here. And everybody's giving me that, yo, Aries Spit. Yo, my nigga, you the GOAT. You're uh-huh. one of the legends. Respect. So I know because of that alone, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to get booed. But I'm not going to kill it the way I should kill it. Because for me to dig down that deep, it's like, oh, God. I just don't have the patience. For you three loud niggas in the booth over there, for this loud bitch that's drunk right here, I got to go in on you. I got to go in on y'all. I got to deal with the wait staff being loud. I got to deal with all these other elements uh-huh. to bring this together. I just, uh, I just, I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Not that you can't, but it's like, God damn it, I've done all of this. So, you know? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So what's next for you? I mean, you're on tour right now, right? Right. And and you're at this is gonna come out next week. So where are you at next week and beyond? Is it is it all on your website? What? Uh, yeah, AerieSpears.com. I believe it's. Oh, uh, I'm in uh, uh, the Comedy Zone in North Carolina, okay. Charlotte, North Carolina, with Matt Reif. Oh, that, okay, that okay. Pretty motherfucker. He is pretty man. I told him one time, nigga, you look like you bathe in coconut water and lemon wedges. <laughs> pretty motherfucker. How's he doing? All black crowd. Yo, Matt's legit. Yeah. I told Matt, I said, you know what's crazy about you, dog? You got that Sugar Ray Leonard, Oscar De La Hoya shit where motherfuckers don't want to like you, meaning guys, yeah. because you're pretty. Girls love you, which means their boyfriends really hate, hate you. you. Yeah. But nigga, you got the goods. Matt Reif is a, he's a technician. He can box, nigga. Yeah. Like if he was a boxer, he's Oscar. Don't be fooled by the movie star jawline. I knock you the fuck out. Do you, Matt, Matt got it. What what comics did you look up to? Like once you pop, what what comics were like at that time that you love that were killing it on the scene? Because I remember Hamburger Jones. I remember everybody yeah. on Def Comedy Jam. Yeah. And how was it being a part of that? Like it was. It I was, don't know if they can ever recreate that today. And they've tried. Uh, lightning in a bottle. It's like, as we was talking about, you know, you yeah. just talked to my man, Devon, you know, um, trying to recreate the magic that was mad TV. Can't trying to recreate the magic that was deaf comedy jam. When it first came out, can't 
because it was it was a it was a comedic historical moment because prior to Def Jam, you know, they only let one nigga in per decade. You had Red Fox in the sixties, you had Richard Pryor in the seventies, Eddie Murphy in the eighties. But Def Jam was the explosion in the nineties that was, hey America, there's more than one funny nigga per decade. Yeah. Chris Rock, Eddie uh, Eddie Griffin, Chris Tucker, Bernie Mac, Steve Harvey, Cedric. We all came out. It was an explosion. So uh, to be a part of that is is huge, man. Were you ever afraid? Not afraid. That's the wrong word. Were you ever intimidated to go after a certain comic back no, then? No, but I, I tell you this. Uh, if he were alive, the only the only uh, three comics I would be nervous to follow, actually four, would be uh, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, and Tommy Davidson. Have you gone on after any of those no, ever? No, no. But them motherfuckers, it's almost like if comedy was a heavyweight division. That's Ali, Tyson, um, Foreman, a young Foreman, and Joe Frazier. You know what I mean? That's, that's a, oof. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. like, cause I remember like back then at Def Comedy Jam days, man, it was me and my dad. It was yeah. an event. Yeah. Like that's what it did. I don't, I can't think of anything on TV. Right. Cable. Besides specials, like when a Dave Chappelle special comes right. out, that's where everybody gathers up yeah. and watches it or a Bill Burr, like you said. But that was such a movement, man. Yeah, it dude, was- this this how you know it, it, it set the trend. Because when De- after Def Jam exploded, every city, every ghetto city in America that would do a black comedy night either had the word jam or definite. Yeah. They wouldn't say Def Jam, but they'd go... This Tuesday, someone sold comedy jam, or this Wednesday, the deaf funny spot. <laughs> so they were trying to ride the coattails off of what the explosion of deaf jam did, was. What did that moment do for you career wise? Did it get you all across the country right away like that? Or no, I don't think so. I because because I think my first appearance on Def Jam, I was so damn nervous that I don't think I hit like Chris Tucker hit. Mm. I don't think I hit like Bernie hit. Uh you know, when Bernie did, I ain't scared of you, you mother. Oh, man. Oh, it was over. Yeah. Um, I think I was a late bloomer for Def Jam. I think my second set was better than, and I did Def Jam three times. I think my second set was better than my first. But by that time, I'd already started doing Mad TV. Uh, is that so, the thing at that time that put you over there? I think so. I believe so. Yeah. Because um, it was funny, too, because at that time, my manager was Norm Nixon, Debbie Allen's husband. Yeah. Won a couple championships with Magic and the Lakers and Kareem. And he was managing comics. He was managing Carlos Mencia, myself, uh, Ken Sagos, who kind of did comedy, but I don't know if you know who Ken is. No. He was in um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Okay. the black brother that had the strength. All right. uh, Yeah. With the real Uh geeky voice. Um, But, you know, uh, Norm kind of took me on and, 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 uh, you know. Carlos was huge at that Time, right? Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Okay. Not yet. Because the mind of Mencia came a little bit later. Gotcha. And even Carlos had to fight a little bit because the industry was resistant against him. Not because he was controversial, but this is what I'm talking about. Because they weren't letting Latinos shine. Yeah. Like, you know, they weren't giving Latinos shine then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, that's just, you know, the business is, is, is wild like that, man. You know, so so you got managed by this guy. Oh, and, and I used to say, yeah, no, Norm used to tell me, uh, um, never underestimate the power of television. Because I remember when I first did Def Jam, my first two, ye- not Def Jam, on uh, Mad TV, my first two years, I was bitching. I was like, damn, I'm doing all this funny shit. Ain't nobody recognizing. Ain't nobody saying. And I was like, what the fuck? And Norm would always tell me, man, don't underestimate the power of television. By season three and four, dude, everywhere I went. Yo, yo. And I was like, oh, shit. What was the character you were most known for? No, no, I wasn't really it's known just for you characters because I did impressions. Impressions, I wasn't, okay. I wasn't character heavy. Gotcha. Like Michael McDonald was known for Stewart. Alex Bornstein was known for Miss Swan. I wasn't a character guy. Angela Johnson was on there, right? Yeah, but she came way after everybody left. Okay. The she original. did that one bonquiqui yeah, thing yeah, and then and it fucking and blew oh, up. Oh, Jesus. Um, so, I, because I just did so many impressions, everybody knew me as... Eddie Murphy, James Brown, Shaq, whatever impression I did that was hot or that 
people gravitated towards. That's what I was known do for. Do you still, do you, I mean, is it, when do you take interest in a character to do it? Like, do you ever just watch TV or, or like, how do you pick a character to do? Like, is there somebody, and you don't have to do it because I hate yeah, yeah. when people make you do impressions. No, no, no. I, I, but is there is there somebody you're watching right now where you're like, okay, I might want to do them? Now, or, you mean an impression or a an character? A, a impression. Um, I only take it on if I really feel like I could do it. Is there anybody out there right now that I that you like? Of that course, you, I would love to be able to do a Dave Spell, but I can't do Dave. You know, huh. uh, back when you know at the height of his Obama ness, I would love to have been able to do Obama. Yeah, but I never. You know, Obama is You know, I tell people presence is cadence and voice. Yeah, you know, some people have cadence, but they don't have a voice, or vice versa. I always felt I knew Obama's cadence. But I never knew. I never thought I locked into the to the tone. Uh, my daughter Sasha Malia, uh, what we do here in America, uh-huh. you know, I, I know that case. Yeah. But I never thought I had the voice. Gotcha. So you know, whereas with Shaq, you know, as long as I score twenty and ten, I'll be fine. <laughs> when I dominate, those are my numbers twenty and ten. So Shaq, I could lock into. So. How how did Shaq react? Loved to, it. Loved it. Right. Loved, he did Mad TV twice. Shaq's always been a big fan of mine, dog. <laughs> Shaq loves me, dude. So, you That's know, Shaq's amazing. always been good, man. So, was there an ever a person that, besides Obama, but in the past that you wanted to do, you just could never get it? Yeah, I mean, it was quite a few. Um, and listen, I, I you know, I, I tip my hat every chance I get. Jay Farrell, man. Oh, I mean, Peace. Kevin Hart. I mean, Will Smith. He does impressions I simply can't do. And I look at Chris Rock, and I just go, that motherfucker... I'm gonna tell you who 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 uh have you seen Godfrey do uh Steve Harvey? Yes. Ridiculous. He, we, were Man. At the, we were at the laugh factory the other night and he just bust out into it. It is so What good. the hell? Do, 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 <laughs> I can't even Man. Yeah. Yeah. So you almost get jealous. Because you just go, oh, motherfucker. But but then I remember he was on Vlad TV and he did Paul Mooney. And I, Godfrey, if you ever see this, you know I love you, nigga. But it's Paul Mooney wasn't fucking with mine. Uh, and, and, it, and it gave me a little bit of satisfaction. Yeah, you felt good about it. For people to read, for me to read the comments, go, we love Godfrey, but he ain't fucking with Aries. <laughs> so, you know, but again, that's my man. And, and, and Godfrey, you know, that's Steve Harvey, nigga, I wish. But, uh, you know, you, you got yours, I got mine. All right, You man. know? Well, man, tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram and all that yes, stuff. Yes, um, uh, I'm Instagram. Everything is my name, basically. Instagram, Aries Spears. Uh, Facebook, Aries Spears. You can subscribe to my Patreon, Aries Spears. But most importantly, the podcast is available on all social platforms. Uh, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Spearsburg.com. It's called uh, the Jew. It's called uh, uh, Spears and Steinberg, the Jew and the Jerk. All new episodes every Wednesday. Uh, check it out, man. We 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 bought uh, like 120 episodes in. Nice. You know, so and, y'all put uh, out one a week, two. Yeah, a week? yeah, one a week. Sometimes two a week. Nice. Um, but uh, we grinding, man. So if y'all want that unfiltered, cut uncut cocaine, man, that, that yayo. <laughs> At its, yeah, at, yeah. at its strongest level uh, without the other bullshit and the baking soda fuck with us man alright my serious, man my man. Right, man I appreciate you, you got about, it baby. man no doubt